0: And I think that then goes hand in hand with, with trust and even the quietest whispers of my nose, right? It's about, you know, when my body isn't necessarily screaming, because I do believe that I think before our bodies start to scream at us, they first start whispering. You know, when I when I have that feeling, it's trusting. And being like, okay, if, if I'm having that bit of an inkling, like there might be something to it and it's okay to believe it. Shades are strong. Shades are strong. Shades are strong. We're breaking the mold, discussing the cold.
1: Talking about we never did before. And the show starts now. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Shade of Strong, where we are creating space for Black women to do strong differently so they can do life with less stress, less worry, and less emotional overwhelm. I'm Cheryl, and joining me in the virtual studio today is podcast publicist. And storyteller, the beautiful and amazingly talented Chihofacho Dabani. Please tell me I pronounced that correctly.
0: <laughs> almost, almost there. <laughs> almost. Listen. I was like, it I was could really not good. get
1: this wrong. So, pronounce it for me. <laughs> it's
0: it's Chihofacho and Dabani. So sorry. No worries. Practicing. I was, no like, practicing, no I was like, I have to get this right. So, my apologies.
1: Welcome to the show,
0: Marcus. How the heck are you? Thank you so much. I am good. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. A little nervous, but really, really excited because this is something that's just That's really important to me. And I love the work that you do. So I'm I'm happy to have this conversation. And I'm happy to have you on. So
1: as you are aware, Shades of Strong is all about supporting Black women and redefining strong. And I Mm -hmm. am just thrilled to have you here to share with our listeners your experience with burnout. Because as we know, Part of being strong is us trying to be and do all the things. So I am so happy that you are here to share that with Mm -hmm. us. But before we get into the goodness that is today's episode, I'm going to leave space for you to tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, what sets your soul on fire.
0: Oh, love that. What sets my soul on fire? So as you said, I am a podcast publicist over at Hustle Writers. I'm also a... A master's candidate at the moment, doing my master's in, but well, my master's thesis really, like I'm always there in clinical psychology um, at the University of Cape Town. And yeah, what sets my heart on fire is, is conversations about Black women with Black women, mm-hmm. all the things that affect us, all the things that, everything about our lived experience really in the world at the moment. I, I love taking walks. I love reading. I love writing. I, I love tea. I have a cup of tea next to me. Um, I love the rain. <laughs> I'm all about nourishment, you know. So anything that that's nourishing and that, that supports ease in my life really always sets my soul on fire. And I love that you love the rain. Oh, I do. It's like one of my favorite things in the yes. world. Do You love the rain too. I
1: love the rain. It's like the smell of it when it's like when oh. it first starts to rain oh my gosh I don't know it just does something like it's just like so relaxing to me I even have like the little thing I don't know what it's called but anyway I listen to it like I fall asleep to the sound of rain every night because oh I do that too sometimes I just love it. It's just like, it's so peaceful. It's just like God is at work yes. and all that. I love it. So yeah, back to what we're supposed to be talking about. I want yes. to start <laughs> today's conversation with your My is statement. So I'm going to ask you to complete the statement, to complete and repeat mm-hmm. the statement My Strong Is.
0: My Strong Is honoring my full body yeses and trusting even the quietest whispers of my nose.
1: Listen, I'm going to be completely honest here. When I read this, yeah. I don't know, something went through me. I yeah. love this. It like for me it feels like a hot cup of coffee <laughs> on a cold cool. winter morning. <laughs> yes, because it's like when you say honoring my full body. Yes. Yeah. We have to dissect this so that our listeners can fully digest it. So remember how I Mm -hmm. asked you to send me the phonetic spelling of your name so I could pronounce it correctly? (laughs) Yeah. So uh, what I want to do with your statement is can we do like a phonetic version of this statement, but instead of an explanation or instead of a pronunciation, we do an explanation. In other words, I love that. What is your my strongest story? how did you come to like honoring this full body yes
0: yeah I I loved when I when I came across because when I came across this the statement Mm -hmm. I I had to sit with it for a while you know I just thought oh my goodness you know nobody's ever asked this question in this way uh-huh. So it's something that I really sat with and meditated on, and I mean it came like it, it really like it came to me after a while. But I just, huh, where do I start? So it's just you know when I say the first half of the statement is is honoring my full body yeses, and I think the big thing with that it's not before we even get to the yes is what does it mean for me to even just exist in the fullness of my body right? What does it mean for me to not switch off aspects of who I am? You know, whether that's 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 my brain, whether that's my heart, whether that's my gut. And I think for a long time, I I just existed in this space where I was always striving, always trying to achieve, always trying to be perfect. And when I kind of look back, one of the, Things that comes to me is really around the adultification of black girls, actually. Mm. You know, like from childhood, I think I've I've always had a sense of, you know, like I've been able to do things myself, you know, like Mm -hmm. being curious. I was always just, you know, I'll figure things out. And I think the thing with that, it's a good trait to have. But then as I grew older, I realized that I was always as hyper-independent as I was, I was only striving to achieve and all of that. And I think what that really did is just, is really isolated me from my community. And if anything, my hyper-dependence was something that was lauded and praised by the people around me, whether that be my family, whether that be my friends, whether it be my my teachers at school and all of that. And so I I, I kind of went through life realizing that, okay, you know, If I do good, you know, like everything, everybody around me is good and everything just stays, you know, there seems to be a little bit of equilibrium without ever really being prompted to question, like, what is the cost of of that independence and what Uh is the cost of that goodness? And what is the cost of that hyper-achieving? And so I went through school, I went through university, got my first degree and it was like, yay, yeah, exciting. Everyone is excited. I never really took a moment to celebrate that moment. You know, it was just kind of like, yeah, this is all good and well, but let's move on to the next thing, Um, which I did, went and got my second degree. And again, everybody else is excited, but, you know, I'm just kind of like, what's the next thing? I need to get to the next step. I'm not really going to sit with this and, and, um, and celebrate it and all of that. And when I started my clinical psychology, journey like I remember I remember having a moment when I thought it was just before the program started and I thought I don't know if I'm really ready to do this just yet but you know I'm here now I might as well give it a shot like what could I possibly lose like what do I have to lose (laughs) and I just jumped straight into it even though I had an inkling that maybe that wasn't necessarily the right time and as I was going through that process it's a brutal brutal process psychologically emotionally and all of that and I, I started to burn out. And for a long time, I kind of thought, you know, this is, this is what the program looks like. This is what being in this field is about. You know, I'm here to help people. So it doesn't really matter. I just have to keep going and all of that. And, and at the same time, I'd had a couple of episodes of depression prior to starting to experience symptoms of burnout. So for a while, I kind of just assumed that that's what it was. And I just kept on. And I mean, f- even though I'd had prior episodes of, of, of depression, I kind of figured I've been able to muscle through things, you know, I've been able to muscle through it and keep going. And it hasn't really stopped me before. So if that's what it is, like, I should be fine. I just have to muscle through. Um, but the thing with burnout is <laughs> it does not really ask for permission and it really is, it's its so debilitating that it just kind of stops you in your tracks. And I think that's really what happened with me. And I think, you know, for a while I kept going, but I wasn't listening to the prompts that my body was giving me. I wasn't listening to the messages that my body was giving giving me. For years, I was feeling the exhaustion set in. I was feeling the, the feelings of apathy set in. I was feeling more and more jaded, disillusioned. I was struggling to concentrate, stay focused, especially on things that I really, really cared about. You know, like mm-hmm. I didn't go into the field of psych, I didn't take it lightly. You know, it wasn't just a thing that I I decided to do on a whim. So when I started to 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 experience these kind of symptoms within a context of a field that I really was passionate about and working with populations that I was really passionate about, I, I was just was just a kind of like, okay, who am I? Like firstly, this thing is stopping me dead in my tracks and I'm really not able to function at the rate that I was before. And, and with that comes feelings, you know, deep sense of failure and all of that. And, and yeah, I think that's what, that's what, that's the first part of, of what the burnout did is it really just stopped me in my tracks. And I, I kind of had a moment of recurring where I thought, well, my body has kind of been trying to give me messages for a couple of years and I haven't been listening to any of that. So I think that's really at the root of where when I say that it's about honoring my full body yeses, it's firstly about just honoring my full body and just trusting the messages that it's giving me. That if I cannot keep going, if I'm exhausted, I need to trust that it's a message that my body's giving me. If I'm starting to feel apathetic about something if I'm starting to not care as much about something that I know I'm passionate about, it's a message that my body's giving me and I need to listen to that. So that's really the first part of that statement, you know, Mm -hmm. and then kind of part of my my healing process really came in with, you know, saying yes to saying yes to things that I really wanted or enjoyed as a child. Right. Like we talked about the rain a little bit and I loved the rain as a child, but this is a simple thing that I kind of, you know. Just wasn't appreciating anymore, and, I, and right. there, there was a few other things. Spending time in nature. I was a very curious kid. I was always outside. If there was a tree to climb. I would try to climb it. If there was mud to play with, I would play with the mud. So really, getting myself to go back to that to that place. And I spoke briefly about the, the adultification of black girls, right? And and I was actually just before our conversations. I was looking at. I was curious. I wondered if there was actually any studies that had been done around this this, uh-huh. this topic. And I realize a lot of the work actually starts like a couple of years ago. So from around 2017, there are a few studies here and there, but from around 2017, 2018 is when we start to see, to see like um, some research studies that come up. And some of the findings that have come up there is like things like black girls need less nurturing. They need less protection. They need to be supported less, need to be comforted less. You know, they're believed to be more independent, um, to know more about adult topics and all of that. And so for me, like I kind of made that connection at that point that, you know, there was quite a lot of power in being at a point where I was burnt out as an adult. And rather than trying to fix it as as an adult, I started to get curious about what are the things that my inner child enjoyed doing and how did I enjoy playing as a kid. And started really just going back to those things. So it was really just like saying, you know, saying yes to the whims of of my inner child's curiosity. And I started baking again. I, I You know, it was really just getting back to my inner playfulness, which I think I, I lost along the way of doing the next thing and being hyper independent and just trying to get things done at at the cost of myself and i think that then goes hand in hand with with trust and even the quietest whispers of my nose right it's mm-hmm. about you know when my body isn't necessarily screaming because i do believe that i think before our bodies start to scream at us they first start whispering so it yes. could be meeting someone <laughs> <laughs> yes. it could be meeting someone and you're like oh i don't know if i feel too comfortable here you know and then we like you know we start to rationalize our brain is just like oh no but like there's actually nothing unsafe here but it's really about like you know, when I when I have that feeling, it's trusting it and being like, okay, if, if I'm having that bit of an inkling, like there might be something to it, and it's okay to believe it, you know. So that's yeah, like it's 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 really trying to to trust the nose that my body whispers to me before it, it has to get to a screaming. point where oh, it starts screaming. my gosh. Yeah.
1: I love that because you are so right, because your body gives you these little bitty signs. Hearing yes. there saying you don't need to do that. And we tend to ignore yeah. those signs. So the fact that you saying, I I want to listen to the nose, to the to the quiet whispers of the nose before my body starts screaming mm-hmm. at me. That yeah. is also power. And it reminds me of, I was doing a little research on burnout myself in preparation for our conversation. Yeah. I remember reading somewhere where it said, burnout is the car crash you don't see coming. Oh, <laughs> and <Yes>. when, I, <laughs> when I read that, quote, I was like, Oh my gosh, because you oh and the reason gosh. the reason you don't see it coming is because we are constantly on the go. But on the flip side, mm. that, I don't even know that it's not that we don't see it coming because again, those quiet whispers. Of no, are yes. the signs that we are on our way there. So I want to ask you, what was the car crash for
0: you? The car crash for me came when, so I had I had completed my clinical training and I had been working at a hospital. And I remember at some point in the year, I literally, I just, I could not, I I, I could not bring myself to get out of bed. It mm-hmm. was like. I'd wake up in the morning and it was literally like there was a weight sitting on top of me, you know, like somebody had just put like a massive human sized brick onto my body on the bed. And I had to wrestle with that to get, to get out of bed. And, and I mean, I still did it. I still wrestled and I still managed to get out of bed and, and, you know, gather myself a little bit, but I would then get to work and, I was in therapy at the time, and i I started realizing that again you know psychology is something that I'm really passionate about and that i'm highly I'd been highly interested for a really long time and I was excited I was so excited to be working with the people that I was working with but at that point, at the same time that the brick was being laid on top of me every single morning, I would get to work and I literally just felt like I did not have any Capacity for any empathy. I was not able to listen the way that I did before. I was not able to hear clients the way that I was before. I was so disillusioned with the entire field, completely feeling ineffective, like there was nothing that I was offering. And then, which which then prompted me because I then said, I remember sitting with with my therapist and saying to her that I don't know how ethical it actually is for me to even be in this position when i have no empathy to give and and so that for me was kind of a moment of just fully sitting with the reality of where i was at and and how limited my internal resources were to to offer to anybody else and as you know this is you know with psych, it's a very intimate relationship that you get into with with the clients and all of that so it was just i i had to call it you know i had to call it and thankfully my therapist supported me through that um but I was kind of like I actually like I cannot continue I need to take a minute Mm -hmm. and take a beat and figure myself out because this is not this this is not safe it's not emotionally safe for me it's not emotionally safe for the people around me um and at the same time I was just I was I was isolated from so much of my of my family and my friends like nobody knew what was going on with me where I was (laughs) Like what was happening? Yeah, you know, I was just I was living in this little bubble of just full on just devastation and destruction, really. Um, so that and I think it was really at that point when I when I started really struggling to get out of bed and and make it to work, and then when I would make it to work, just struggling to to really engage with anything that I was doing. That that I realized, okay, like we are, we have officially crashed. Like we are not functioning anymore, and right. something has got to give. Those were signs that could not be ignored, like the fact that
1: you couldn't yeah. get yourself out of bed, you didn't have the energy to do the things that you normally do. But what would you say were the early signs that you ignored, like the quiet whispers? What What were the quiet whispers?
0: Mm-hmm. I think the quiet whispers was the was was the chronic fatigue, so I was always tired for a few years before. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was definitely that was that was definitely a thing. And as someone who had always really kind of just been able to function and do well, um I was getting more and more unproductive, I was struggling to concentrate, I was struggling to focus, um, I was getting very very forgetful, so minor details I would forget. Um I'll tell a friend that I would call them or something and I'll completely forget about that. Um and sometimes it was, you know, this was just small things, but sometimes it was big things that I would forget to do as well. So it was just that more than anything, it was that sense of of losing my 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 motivation, but also losing my sense of motivation, but also the chronic fatigue. Really, that 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 was. It felt like it was constantly, always just like bubbling a little bit beneath the surface. No matter how long I I took a nap for, how much I slept, it just was mm-hmm. not going away i think there's something about like we talk so much about feeling tired but that felt like it felt like my my soul was exhausted you know it wasn't just a physical it wasn't a physical exhaustion anymore it was it was like something deep inside of me was actually just like just drained um so those were some of the things and obviously just also my my relationships i had I had always, I think I, for a long time, I'd done a good job of nurturing relationships around me with, with people, intimate, um, with intimate people. And I got where I kind of, I got to a point where I had started to disappear. I wasn't showing up as much. I wasn't allowing people to show up for me as much. I was just kind of off alone in my own bubble, not really, not really trying to socialize, not really trying to go out with anyone, meet anyone, um, those sorts of things. So I was really just isolated um, yeah. and spending a lot more time time by myself than I had before.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of times when, or it has been my experience, I won't say a lot of times, but it has been my experience. When we start to isolate, like in today's yeah. day and time, we we do not typically associate that with burnout or We just just like, oh, I'm peopled out right now. But I don't think Mm -hmm. in our minds we're saying, you know what? I need to stop and slow down. We just like, oh, I'm peopled out. (sighs) So I'm going to like go to my space. I need some me time. But I don't think we associate that with I'm heading for burnout. And so I kind of want to talk about that like in the black female culture, yeah. I don't. I don't know what what your circle of friends look like, <laughs> but in the yeah. people, like, <laughs> female culture, like historically, I think I said this mm-hmm. in the beginning. Like we have, we have been conditioned to believe mm-hmm. that if we are not being and doing all the time, that we are not
0: yes good
1: enough, or we are yes. not doing enough, or not strong. Enough. So what has been like in your circle of friends, how do just for those who might be listening, how can we support each other in Mm -hmm. not living in this in this space of burnout? Because like I was saying, I was I was reading a couple of articles and I read this article where it has been reported that 73 percent of employees in the U.S. and in western Europe rate their current stress levels as moderate or high and 34% say they are suffering from symptoms of burnout so within our circles how can we decrease these numbers how can we be support Mm. for each other within our circles for, for our sisters
0: yeah oh I love this so much and i think i think this is something you and i briefly spoke about this when we when we had our first conversation about um at the time i was i was kind of asking myself it, had, it was something i'd been writing about about what would it look like if i could get my grandmother my great grandmother other women who had come before me if i could get them around a table i mean my grand my maternal grandmother and my maternal great grandmother have passed away but i was just kind of curious cuz like you know there, there's a whole You know, history of women who have come before me. But what would it look like if I had to just be in their presence and you all sat at a table and had lunch or dinner or something? I wondered about what are the conversations they would have, but specifically what are the things they would laugh about? You know, what are the jokes they would make? What are the things they they would you know what are the stories they would tell about what makes them happy um what makes them sad you know all of those you know what brings them joy what nurtures them what brings them peace so all of these all of these questions really about who they were apart from the work that i saw them do even when they were alive and i think the first thing that happens for 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 us black women is we don't see rest and ease modeled to us right mm-hmm. i and i you know i i that's not something that i have really seen within my own family and i can't give examples off the top of my head of of watching women just rest and not not go on vacation that one time during the year but making rest a part of their daily routine yeah. making ease a part of their daily you know doing it as much as they would anything else and so how i have started to really engage with rest and ease apart and, and really trying to resist burnout is keeping we keep our friends accountable in a lot of different ways, right like we would believe in accountability and all of that but i I've been trying to keep my my friends accountable to their rest practices, you know like I actively actively ask them, have they been resting? how have they been resting and also if I can, the other question is what can I do to help them? to rest. And what I found is sometimes those things are actually really small things. You know, it's, it's, it's having a friend deliver a meal or delivering a meal to a friend when they are having a hard time. You know, it's doing admin that they don't have capacity to do. It's sending a bunch of flowers, having a bunch of flowers delivered to them on a random day of the week. Um, Whether or not they're having a hard time, but just to say, hey, I'm thinking of you, I love you, you. I think you're amazing, you know, all of that. And it's really just, I think more than anything, it's trying to nurture the woman around me as best as I can. And sometimes it's even being as intentional and literal as sending them I know one of my friends and I we do this way like if if I'm having a hard time or something's going on and I need a little bit of affirmation I'll send her an affirmation request you know I'll yeah. be like I love that <laughs> yes so like I need you to tell me how amazing you think I am and yes. literally I will get paragraphs of like oh my gosh you are so brave you are so amazing I've seen you do so many brave things these are all the badass things I've seen you do and it's like it takes the guessing, the guessing work out of you know what is needed in a particular moment. And my friends will do the same when they are going through something. Or actually, I just like mm, you know I need to be validated a little bit. Um, they will also send me the same affirmation request, and I will I will uh-huh. tell them all the amazing things I that I know love that. and love about them. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I
1: love that because talk about asking for what you need okay two things I I want to point out but okay number one Mm -hmm. rest because the way you you paint this picture of rest a lot of times when we think about rest we think about sleep we think about taking a nap yes but the way you've painted this picture is rest is giving the people in your circle Mm -hmm. what they need in that moment it's taking something Off of their place and saying, Hey, let me yes. take it. It's not necessarily just like sitting and being still, although that's a form of rest too, but rest comes in different forms. <laughs> love that you said mm-hmm. that. I also, love that. I love the, the affirmation requests because as Black women, we don't typically ask for what we need. And with the affirmation request, that can become that, that can make us feel like we're being selfish by asking someone to affirm. But
0: don't
1: we all need to
0: be a farm? We do. We, we do we do. And that's I love thing. that. Yeah, we do. I like we do all need that. And and my thing is I believe in romantic friendships, right? Like that my friends are deserving of as much intention and as much romance and as much, you know, deliberate action. As a partner would, I think within society, romantic relationships have been elevated about every other friend, like other relationship, and our friendships are sometimes some of our longest existing relationships that we'll ever have. You know, yeah. And I, I think there's you know, we we in a culture, it's kind of assumed that just because you're close to a friend, that the bond will naturally keep the friendship going. Right. And yet, in a in a romantic relationship setup, it's not it's encouraged that you let your partner what your needs are. You know, you let them know what your needs are and, and you you stipulate what the things are. You actually even, we actually even go into relationships knowing, having a kind, you know, a list of what we expect from r- romantic partners, right? And then it's kind of like, well, it's not as important in friendships. Your, friendship, your friends are just supposed to figure it out. They're just supposed to know. And, and so sometimes friends don't show up in the way that we need them to. But it's like, well, if you actually, if you just say that this is what I need, I don't know, I can't imagine that they'd say no. You know, especially, Why, exactly. the, you know, like it's like, if you tell me, then I, I completely know. And and, and it's, it's really about loving people in the language that they most understand and receive that love, you know? So I could do something that I think is fantastic for a friend. But if that's not how how they communicate and receive love, It may not necessarily have the intended impact, but when we're open and specific and encourage the conversations around what our needs are, it removes that guessing work and and be able to give and receive love in the way that we each most understand it, you know? If there were someone in
1: your circle who wasn't necessarily comfortable with asking for what she needs, how would you support her to prevent her from from
0: burnout? Mm, I... I saw something, I can't remember who the author was, but they they spoke about the concept of of what is the word? Um it was like a care menu or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the, the whole thing around it was that we don't always have capacity or we're not always able to ask for what we need, but we can give the people around us even just like a list, right? Like an idea of like, oh, you know, when I'm when I'm having a hard time, like Somebody sending me a playlist is really helpful or somebody sending me a handwritten letter is really helpful. And then kind of creating a word, almost like an SOS phrase or something like that. Um, So that when, if you have a list or an idea of what those things are from a friend, if they are needing support at any given point um, and they don't really have the language to voice it or don't actually want to talk about what's going on, can just give that little SOS statement and you know that, okay, well, I can just go I to like the menu and pick up something, you know, like pick something that I can do for them that I know that it's actually something that they would want because they've communicated to me that that's what it is. But also I I I know that's that's like that's work in and of itself and some people may not like necessarily be able to do that. But I, I do think that there's, there's a lot to be said for observation, right? Like we have friends that we talk, To on a regular basis, for instance. It's like if somebody starts to go a little bit silent and that sort of thing, like I think it's okay to check in and not even to say what's going on, are you okay? But just like to give out those reminders that you are still here. You've noticed that they've disappeared a little bit, that they've gone a little bit quiet. You're wondering if they're okay. If they don't want to talk, it's completely fine. But you are available to do, you know, to do something that they need if it would be helpful or to talk whenever they need to talk. And also, I think, like, we can always just use a little bit of spontaneity. Like, again, some some people may not necessarily respond to that. And so it's just like, well, we can still just do something a little bit romantic, you know, like, whether it is just sending that bunch of flowers.
1: I love romanticizing friendships. I, yes. know I oh. mean, you are coming with all the goodness today. I love that. Yeah. Who would have yeah. thought romanticizing friendships? Because, I mean, people probably, I'm Gen X, so I wouldn't have thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Millennials and Gen Zers <laughs> probably thought. <laughs> I love that guy. And that shows me that even with the Black female culture, even though historically, Nurturing ourselves and caring for ourselves and, you know, integrating, playing ease into our daily lives has not been the norm. But I'd venture yeah. to say that we have made some significant strides in that area, yes. although there is there's still work to be done. But I think that as I'm seeing the new generation, like your generation mm-hmm. and Gen Z,
0: yeah.
1: as I see them declaring, I don't want to be strong anymore. I see them saying, yes. we, we are not going to do life that way. I see them integrating play and ease and I see them, mm. you know, wanting to get in touch with the inner child that wants to play. Yeah. like I, So I venture to say we are making progress and I am proud mm. <laughs> of the progress yes. that, that we're making. So in a nutshell, yeah. if there's anything you want our listeners to take from this conversation, what is.
0: Wait, before before you okay. do, can I ask you a question? Absolutely. So I, I think it's interesting that you are talking about the strides that you've seen mm-hmm. um, that millennials have made and now agencies as well. Can you tell me a little bit more about, about how you think Black women have, have accessed and practiced rest from your generation in particular? From my generation? Yeah. What okay. are some of the strides that you've seen there? I think now we are more
1: adamant about saying mm-hmm. no. Like, if we mm-hmm. don't want to do a thing, I can say for me personally, if I don't want to do a thing... I'm okay with saying no. Where in the past, I wouldn't say no because perhaps I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings or Mm. um, I don't want to change how they may feel about me after I say the no. So I'm noticing that a lot of us are okay with saying no without explanation. We are resting, and we are paying more yeah. attention to our bodies. I'm seeing a lot of us engage in meditation and yoga, which is something that we wouldn't typically do. Because if you grew up in the church, particularly a Southern Baptist church, those things mm-hmm. were considered demonic. So you didn't engage
0: yeah.
1: in those types of things. So I'm I've, I'm seeing growth in the area. There's, like I said, there's still work to be done. But I'm seeing yeah. us standing in our note and not running. Ourselves, ourselves ragged to be everything to everybody, mm. and that's yeah. like watching it has been. It's been amazing just to to see the evolution of mm. the black woman. It's it's been yes. it's been astounding. Like I I love witnessing it when I see people in my generation saying I'm not yeah. going to do that and standing in it when I see them effectively communicating what they need. When I see mm-hmm. them lay down the armor of independence, I'm just mm-hmm. like, yes, 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 yes. Because we don't have to do life that way. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's been. But, but I will say this. I think it's mm-hmm. because we have watched so many millennials and Gen Zers say no mm-hmm. and say mm-hmm. we're not doing it the way our parents and our grandparents did. And so now I feel like they kind of gave us permission to do the same.
0: Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love no, i I, I agree. And I also I, I think the intergenerational conversation is quite important. you know, it's as you're saying, like from Gen X's, it's more more and more women are saying no. and regarding that as a complete sentence all on mm-hmm. its own, it doesn't need mm-hmm. to be explained and doesn't need to be excused, and we can be more okay with the opinions that people have. Mm-hmm. About us, even after we say that know so I think it's. I think this is a really important reflection to also do, and I love love that you that you touched on it.
1: Absolutely, because honey, it's been a process. Mm. <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, you, you imagine <laughs> having years of this thing embedded in you, and now yeah. you're like it's uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable position mm. to be in to free yourself from the expectation of yes being all the things so yeah it's I know it's been liberating for me and I just wish yeah, I had found been. it sooner
0: <laughs> I'm just glad you eventually did <laughs> yeah you know you. I'm, and I'm glad we all eventually do I, yes. I I I would say the same thing but I'm just glad that we eventually do get to that point and also I kind of think that in the same way like we often talk about generational traumas and that sort of stuff. But I mm-hmm. also think that, that that they are generational gifts that our ancestors gave us. You oh, know what absolutely. I mean? And so for me it's kind of like if the desire is even there and we even asking the questions, who's not to say that our grandmothers were resting we just didn't recognize it as exactly. such you know maybe they had exactly. their own strategies and things that they did that we may not necessarily recognize as that having been their practice of rest so i'm always curious about kind of what that conversation looks like across generations and what strategies different people have employed to access a little bit of ease within whatever circumstances they they find themselves
1: mm-hmm. i love that I, and i love that there are just so many different versions Of rest. Yes. Yeah. This has been an outstanding conversation. Yeah. Like I was going (laughs) to say, if you had to leave our listeners with one nugget, one message that they could carry with them throughout the day, every day, what would that message be?
0: Uh, I think it's definitely going to go with what we've just been talking about. I would say that you are always worthy of the rest that you desire. That you need. You are worthy of whatever ease and goodness rises to meet you as you go through your days. I think for me, it's just, it's always just worthiness, you know? Like you don't have to question it. You don't have to be suspicious of it. You know, it's there because you're worthy of it. And if it's not there yet, you're worthy of it arriving to you. Absolutely. I love that. Absolutely. So worthy. You deserve rest. Always. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right guys, so that is it for today's episode. Before we get out of here, um, let me try your name again. Chihopha Cho.
0: <laughs> Did I say There you go. <laughs> <Did> <laughs> our <laughs> <listeners>, Um,
1: <laughs> where they can find you in the online space if they want to connect with you.
0: Yes. They can find me on Instagram. I am at XO underscore chocofacho. I'm also on LinkedIn if that that's more workspace, but I'm definitely willing to engage over there as well. Just my name is Sweeney, Chaw and Dabani. I can be found on hustlingwriters.com. That's where most of my podcast publicity work is. And I also have a newsletter. I have a newsletter called Words Less Spoken on Substack. Well, I'll yeah. have all
1: <laughs> of your information listed in the show notes of this episode. So if awesome. you guys want to connect, you can just hop over to ShadenStrong.com. Click on the link and bam, there you go. Connect with Cheho For And I could just tell y'all, like just talking to her one time before today's episode, she's such a sweet spirit. Like you will enjoy being in her presence virtually or in person by the way she's from South Africa I forgot to mention that Yes. (laughs) yes yes so anyway that is it for today's episode I hope that you found value in it hit us up on your favorite social media platform we are shades of strong everywhere until next time take care of you